0: I'm back, everyone. You're listening to Dev90X, and today is day 80. We've got like 10 days left in the 90 day challenge. It's Tuesday, the 26th of October, and the title of today's episode is Let's Recap What a Roller Coaster. So, I was doing a bit of reflection today as I didn't get a crazy, amazing amount of pro- progress in today. Um, but I thought I thought I'd just reflect a little bit on what I have done in 80 days. The 90 day challenge is almost over. I'm not going to launch an app on day 90. Uh, It's not happening. <laughs> but I I have a, I have achieved a lot in this 90 days. So let's let's just go through some dot points that I wrote down. So number one, this is the hardest that I've pushed myself to be consistent on something big every day for such a long time. A 90-day challenge is not easy by any means, no matter what the challenge is. Even something as simple as opening an app for 90 days just so that you can keep your streak, it's pretty difficult to do 90 days every single day. Even if it takes barely any time, it's hard to be so consistent on something for such a long time. So this one really pushed my limits on consistency and I learned a lot in that process, but I'd rather go into the details of exactly what I learned about consistency after day 90. I'm going to do a reflection and yeah, I did one month of strict keto, which transformed my health and I didn't maintain that strictness of keto because I didn't need to. I I found a happy medium where if I eliminate certain carbohydrates, my health is considerably better, namely sugars and, and different kinds of starches like wheat. Um, so I just have to limit them and every so often kind of fast from them. And keto seems to be the friendliest way for my body to, to fast from carbohydrates. Um, but now I'm more kind of a whole foods-ish sort of paleo, keto, hybrid diet i'm not strict by any means anymore but i i tend to kind of i just i'm i'm convenient i'm i eat convenient keto and if it's not convenient then i don't stress myself because it is not convenient ever (laughs) to eat keto i would say that on the convenience scale it's even less convenient than being strict vegan And that is not convenient. So that just puts it into perspective. I got sick pretty early on in the challenge. Uh, Probably was round two of COVID, but I didn't get tested. Um, And I downplayed it a lot. Looking back on that, I because it wasn't as bad as the first time that I did get COVID. And so I thought it's fine. It's basically like a cold. But it was something between a cold and a flu. And I did not take proper downtime and rest. I was pounding the coffee every day. It was so early in the challenge. And I just I wanted to make sure I just wanted to make sure that I established my 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 rhythm properly. And as I was just starting getting sick, I felt like I needed to push through it because it was that pivotal, pivotal moment where felt like I was being tested and, you know, this is where it really counts. Like, this is where it matters. Uh, So I didn't take rest and then I got burnt out from that. And I lost a lot of time getting burnt out and just recovering from that burnout. I lost a lot of productivity and it was not easy, (laughs) not an easy time. Uh, I developed an intense crush on my friend and then I was rejected. Uh, It was actually the second time I got rejected. (laughs) But this time was for real, like proper. The first time it was a bit more casual. And this time it was for real. And I lost a lot of sleep over that that whole thing. Um, Again, kind of just dropped my productivity, dropped my focus, and it was difficult. So I learned that I definitely need to when these kinds of things happen, I need to prioritize them definitely, and make sure that I am keeping in touch with my emotions and how I'm feeling about people and my relationships and maintaining my relationship, my relationships properly. I reached out for help for the Handstander project and Harry ended up helping me and working for four weeks on Handstander. I didn't expect it. I sort of wanted to try this experiment of doing like a work trade. You know, I work on your project for two hours. You work on my project for two hours. And then we both get someone's outside view on what's going on. And just because you get too much in it, right? You get too deep into your idea and it becomes difficult to have an unbiased perspective on things. And so it's very helpful just to get someone else from outside to come in and talk to and bounce ideas off and maybe even do a bit of work on your project. That was the concept. Anyway, Harry just wanted to just start working on Handstander. So so that's what happened for four weeks. And um, at the time I wasn't, I didn't expect that or it wasn't like my plan for that to happen. Uh, But I just went with it and it was a very interesting experience. It was very, it was very good in many ways to have somebody else working on the project. Then pivot pivot time Uh, my friend Dylan came back to Bali and he wanted to do a breathwork app and to partner with me. So I decided that this is a much easier app to launch for me and it would take less time to launch this than it will take to launch handstander and has a higher chance of initial market traction because of Dylan's audience. So I chose to do the pivot and that left Harry in a bit of an awkward Place, but um, yeah, I guess for me it, it was it's the best decision. Hand is still going to be happening, just at a later date down down the road. We still have so much positive feedback on the, on the concept. It's a difficult one. It's novel. Um, already done so much work. Already overcame like so many of the technical hurdles and made made a, a very robust, not fully ro- not fully fully robust, but very robust viability assessment was a feasibility assessment on the on the tech um, and was developing strong viability on the business concept. Um, everyone likes the idea. Everyone who does handstands thinks it's, it's going to be cool and pretty fun. And um, yeah, it's definitely still going to be happening. So um, I just have to launch the world's best breathwork app first and then we can launch the world's best handstand app. I bought an iPhone and switched over from Android. That was a big shift for me. Uh, It took took about, I would say, a good two weeks to fully, fully make the transition. And even now, I'm still not using my new iPhone to its fullest, fullest extent. But uh, I'm definitely loving the new iPhone. I'm loving being fully integrated into the ecosystem. I love AirDrop so much. (laughs) And... All all the various different features. I think I I spoke about that a lot, all the different differences between Android and iPhone. Uh, But now I'm uh, I'm an iOS developer. I build apps for the Apple ecosystem, and it just makes sense for me to have Apple devices. So yeah, it was the last one to go. Actually, the watch is the last one. (laughs) On that note, I also bought AirPods Pro, and they just have just shocked me at how, how good they are especially with the noise cancellation here in Bali. It's really nice to be able to just take a nap in the middle of the day, plug in the AirPods Pro, turn on noise cancellation and don't even have any music playing. And they just they cancel out so much noise that I can really just. Oh, and I can sleep on my side. It's like little things. Sometimes it's the little things that create such just just massive value. It doesn't it doesn't scare. It's like non-linear value. I learned Xcode and all of the related things to do with building apps in Xcode and using Swift Playgrounds, all the different tooling. I guess I just learned the tooling. I would say that there's a lot still for me to learn, but overall, I feel relatively comfortable now in Xcode. I learned Swift. I am approaching functional fluency and understanding Swift. I'm definitely not all the way there yet, and as for writing and producing my own code, uh, I, I still have a long way to go with that as well. But overall, the the first step is that you can read other other code and understand what it's doing, and not be like, like herpy derpy on the, on the syntax. Like, <laughs> be like, oh, what does what does exclamation mark do? I have no idea. Why are there question marks everywhere? What's a what's a closure? People keep talking about closure. Like, if you don't understand those things, then now you still have a lot, a lot of work to do before you can even write good code. It's not like it's a, it's not like it's a deal breaker that you can't write code because you can always just, you know, write simple code using syntax and grammar that you understand. It's not, it's like speaking a language. It's not like if you aren't fluent, you can't speak at all. You can definitely produce fragmented language and with broken grammar and stuff. And the compiler will just tell you if it's wrong and won't work. <laughs> so it's not so much about Being completely unable to produce code, it's more about it's just slow. It's just a slow process. You just you got to work through things. You got to sit there. You got to figure figure things out. It takes a uh, takes a long time. And so I'm getting faster and more fluent. I learned about iOS development in general, which I guess would be more about Apple development. And most most of that stuff I learned from listening to podcasts. There is a lot of Uh, fringe aspects, I I suppose you would call it, to building apps that you do not learn just from studying the tooling and just from studying the language and just from looking at other projects. There's so many other things that you just wouldn't know unless you listen to podcasts. Like, for example, what are the implications of an iOS update, like going from 14 to 15? What do developers typically do to prepare for such a thing? How do you evaluate requiring a certain version of iOS? Like all these different random questions that you just kind of don't learn from just learning how to program. It's things that you learn from being in this line of work for a long time, in this career for a long time. And so that I've learned a lot and I've, I've really come to appreciate this is a very, very deep intricate art form I built a demo app for Handstander which mostly I built by configuring an app from Apple and then plugging in my machine learning model I trained an action detection model which overall the hardest part about that was just learning which tools to use and kind of how to use the tools um, as I already understood the concepts of the tools and what they're doing in the background so uh, yeah, trained an action detection model to, to detect handstands. I learned a lot about AI and machine learning, but I learned the majority of it before I even started this challenge. I chose, I made a decision to learn Swift UI over UI Kit. And that was a pretty big decision to make over a couple of weeks. I'll still probably learn UI Kit, but just down the road in the future, because I want to move a little bit more quickly in the short term. So I'm going to be building in SwiftUI, and I think I think that SwiftUI is it's a good time now to 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 build new apps in SwiftUI. And I finally I'm on track to launch something big. It won't be in the next ten days, but it will be in the coming months, and I'm super excited about that. Progress update for today: I did about seven lessons from Unwrap. I finished lecture 10 of the Stanford iOS course. I missed out on video three out of three of the iOS architect crash course because it was on a timer and I just I had a busy weekend. It was over the weekend and I guess everyone else was at home in their rooms studying iOS development and I was down in Uluwatu going to a party <laughs> and uh, having a whole episode. So I uh, missed that one. But I carved out some downtime in the middle of the day today to take a nap. My strategy was that I would go and do my workout this morning. I'm becoming a work, a morning workout person now, which is a big change for me because I've always preferred working out in the afternoon and I've always preferred my mornings to be like just getting into work or getting into learning uh, mental activity in the morning, not physical activity. So I'm shifting that up and I'm going into my workouts in the morning, physical activity in the morning, because overall on the long term, uh, exercise is such a high priority for me. And I've always put it there on my mental priority list way, way up the top, like number one, almost. But my actions, the way that I've actually planned and carved out time and actually like executed on that priority has been very poor. Because mostly because I put it at the end of the day and like the things that you put at the end of the day are generally not shouldn't be like they shouldn't be the most important things. Because you, that means you have to kind of, you know, the conditions have to be good because and, and if, if they're not good, sometimes the conditions aren't good for you to go to the gym because you like you're in a deep work state or something like that, or like um, or, you know, something comes up then the workout is, it's easy to cancel on that. It's easy to cancel it and do us do something else. And I find that that's what I do. I do that a fair bit. And if you just do it in the morning, you cancel less. And so morning habit on the long over the long run is going to mean that you cancel fewer, fewer of your workouts and you maintain a a better streak of, of working out. And also it just sets you up for the day. Like it just gets the blood pumping it. You know, it wakes you up. It, it releases a whole bunch of pleasurable hormones. It gets your mind working and activated. I can't believe I don't do this. Honestly, I cannot believe that I don't do this. So, yeah, I'm making that transition. And uh, so I worked out in the morning and I was actually like kind of crashing a little bit in the middle of the day. I still did my breath work. And this afternoon I did my 100 handstands just before recording this. So that is my day in a nutshell. Jack's hack. The harder you work, the luckier you are. I I had a quick chat with my brother today and this is what he said. He said, you're on the right track. The harder you work, the luckier you are. But then I thought, actually, it's it's only, that's only the first part of it. So thinking back to this analogy of Tom Hanks in uh, Castaway, where he is trying to light a fire. And he's working real hard at it. He's sort of on the right track, but He messes it up and breaks the stick and cuts his hand and then he makes, uh, he gets that volleyball and turns it into his best friend. (laughs) Um, he didn't get lucky. He worked really hard. What made him lucky was changing his technique and figuring out the technique. So it's, I would like to change this statement to the more consistently you work and stay focused on something, the easier it is to find the technique that works. And the technique that works is the thing that's smart and the thing that makes you lucky. Uh, so, yeah, consistency and hard work is important, but it's not the full equation. It's only half the equation. So I just wanted to end on that. Thanks for listening, everyone. Day 80. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.